Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Thursday, November 16th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Across the state, people are struggling to find and keep affordable housing. And that is especially true in Colorado's mountain towns. KUNC Managing Editor Stephanie Daniel recently pulled back the curtain on this issue with the latest season of her podcast, The Colorado Dream. First off, she says it's important to understand what separates these mountain towns from other communities facing a housing shortage. And that is, it's hard for people at all income levels to find housing. Now I'm talking about uh, restaurant servers, police officers, nurses. And then certain factors are intensifying the problem, particularly in the communities that Stephanie and her team visited, Route, Eagle, and Summit counties. They are all home to world-class ski resorts. Visitors flock to these communities throughout the year, and tourism really drives the local economies. And that leads back to the huge increase in short-term rentals. The coronavirus pandemic and a subsequent increase in remote workers drove up home prices and made this problem even worse. But there's a lot happening to try and keep community members housed. The third season of the Colorado Dream podcast lays this all out for us. It's now available in its entirety, so we brought Stephanie on the show to get some final thoughts about what she learned. One thing that's interesting is that, you know, all of these communities are working hard to solve this housing crisis, and there isn't a one-solution-fits-all fix to this problem. There are initiatives and programs that they're all doing, like local governments and employers that are building units for their specific workers, as well as um, the local workforce at large. But of course, they're also employing strategies that are unique to their communities. I'm thinking of Philip Qualman, the superintendent of the Eagle County School District. He sent out letters to local property owners asking if they'd rent out a room to a district employee. Uh, the Yampa Valley Housing Authority in Route County was gifted over 500 acres to build affordable housing. And the goal is to have over 2,000 units completed in the next two decades. Then there's the new first-in-the-country partnership between Summit County and the White River National Forest that would build over 160 new rental units to house that local workforce. So much innovation here. Now, there is a common thread throughout this series, the value of people living within the communities where they work. In the last episode, you explain how community is at the heart of this problem, building, sustaining, and enjoying it. Could you talk about that? I think that was one of the surprises as we were reporting this series. I mean, we definitely understood that there was a crisis. But what we found out is that while, you know, housing stability is critical, it goes a lot deeper than that. And that's where we got to this idea of community. You know, one of the first things that I discovered is a lot of residents and local leaders, nonprofits, businesses have a, you know, we're all in this together mentality. And this housing issue isn't just about the impact it has on one person. For example, I talked with Matt Vodder 
who is the chef and owner of two restaurants in Breckenridge. He was having a hard time hiring workers because of the housing crisis. So he leases a couple multi-bedroom homes and then rents out rooms to some of his employees. He told me this is a common practice among business owners. It was becoming frustrating going through the interview process, um, committing to a candidate, them committing to us, and then things falling through because they couldn't find a place to live. In Eagle County, residents want school teachers to live where they work. And I mentioned earlier the letter that the school district sent out to property owners. Well, it worked, and a homeowner is now renting a room at a discount to a teacher who is planning to leave the school district and the county. And then on the other side, you know, when you have a home, whether you're renting it or buying it, you get to know your neighbors. I mean, kids, you know, have friends that live down the block. Maybe you're going on happy hour walks. And these are the connections that are made when people don't have to bounce from place to place and they can really put down roots in the community that they live in. Well, one thing I love about how you close out this series stuff is that you are looking at solutions. You're explaining to us more of what's working and why we might actually be able to be a little bit hopeful in the face of this massive problem. Could you talk about someone who was struggling but ultimately found a place to call home? We did talk to several people who had bounced from place to place, maybe lived in five places in seven years. I mean, just really these stories of uh, living on couches or sharing bedrooms with people just to make ends meet. I'm thinking about Niall Stry, who was not housing insecure. He and his wife were renting a one-bedroom condo in Breckenridge. Niall's old boss promised to sell them a two-bedroom deed-restricted townhouse in the town of Frisco. Now, to buy a deed-restricted place, you have to fall within a certain household income. Niles and his wife qualified, but then Niles got a raise at work. We ended up making like $1,000 too much to be within the area. Median income is the metric that they use. And it was just like the most gut-wrenching thing ever. So we make $1,000 too much, and then they just deny us. And I think one thing that people don't necessarily think about are these income restrictions. You know, these income restrictions can be a great way to ensure that people from very low to middle income households have housing set aside specifically for them. But these income brackets are set at the federal level and aren't always applicable to local communities. I heard from a couple of people, including Niles, that getting a raise or a promotion at work could become problematic when they're trying to rent or buy deed-restricted housing. Sure. Well, Steph, I realize this six-part series was a huge endeavor, especially because you had to fit so many ideas and narratives into this neat little time slot for broadcast. Could you talk about something that you had to leave on the cutting room floor that you really struggled to cut? I think what I would have loved to include more of is people's personal housing stories. You know, pretty much everyone I talked to from a builder to a government employee to a resident has a housing story to tell because they live in these communities. The last episode briefly features Suzanne Allen Sabo, the developer of a new workforce housing development that's being built in Breckenridge. There'll be 61 uh, for sale units that will be available only to the local workforce. Now, she's lived in Summit County for three decades and has been building high-end homes and expanded into uh, workforce housing. 
But affordable housing is something that she's been passionate about for most of her life. So when I got my master's of architecture, I wrote one of my major uh, reports for school to get my master's on affordable housing for women and children. So it's been a dream that I've had my almost my whole life helping helping people with housing. Great. Sounds like a bonus episode to me. After I take a break. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. All right, Steph, to wrap up, how about one big takeaway from the Colorado Dream Season 3 Housing Wanted? The bottom line is people need housing now. Yes, there are initiatives and programs and solutions that are happening right now, but it's still not enough. So it's going to take local governments, uh, employers, businesses, public-private partnerships to really ensure that these communities have the housing that they need so locals can live in the same communities that they work in. Stephanie Daniel, thank you so much for all of your great work on this, and thanks for talking with us about it. Thanks for having me, Erin. That's it for us today here on In The NoCo. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.